Holly G with the Golf Insiders. It was a big time final round after sleeping on the lead for a week. Patrick Cantley walking away with the FedEx Cup title on Sunday and the $15 million bounty. And to break it all down for us is one of our favorites, Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. Hi, Bob. Hey, how you doing, Holly? You were there, uh, right down to the last stroke on 18. Um, I guess we weren't too surprised to see it come down to a duel between Patrick and John Rahm. Uh, but, you know, give me your overall uh, thoughts and how this all played out. Well, you know, you had you know, you know, had a couple of the, the, the top guys here. You know, Rahm's been a force for a couple of months. Cantley got hot here late. Um, they played together for three rounds. Uh, and, you know, Rahm had a tough task. He was four shots behind at the beginning of the, of the week, the way they, they do the uh, format. And he could just never quite get there, you know. Even though you know he tied for the lowest score of the week, right? Just couldn't quite get over the over the line there. And and uh, you know I, I'm I'm not a fan of the format. But Me if you get either. past the if you get past the first day, you know we settle in with the numbers, and you know Rom kind of put himself in position, and if you think of it as a as a tournament that's an extension of the previous two. You know, um, you know. Look, if he'd have shot a shot or two better the, the previous two tournaments, um, that gap would have been smaller. You know, so you know that's one positive way to look at the format. Is and frankly, they probably need to sell that a little bit harder. Um, that uh, it's really a continuation of the previous two tournaments, and you're you're sort of jockeying for that position to make sure that you're not so far back. Rom had, you know, even though he he uh, narrowly missed the playoff at the Northern Trust, uh, was sort of in the mix there too for a little while at the BMW. It just wasn't enough to stay stay close enough. And in the end, you know, that one stroke meant a huge a huge amount. It was ten million dollar difference. Yeah, and if you look at the the scores, right? Um, Patrick sixty seven, sixty six, sixty seven, sixty nine. John, 265s and 268s. Uh, but it, it, you know, pretty quickly the field separates, doesn't it, Bob? And, you know, really most of the time was, you know, there were five guys in the mix. I thought at one point JT, Justin Thomas, had a chance to put the pedal to the metal, but, you know, his, his putting, his putts just weren't dropping, right? And he had a few, uh, few errant shots. Then he had Kevin Na. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, uh, just bulldogging his way down the stretch. And then uh, Xander Shockley, uh, yeah. you know, sneaking in there with a tie for fifth against Victor Hovland. And a uh, big surprise with Bryson uh, after that shooting at 72 on Saturday. But, you know, what, what were your thoughts there in terms of, you know, how many guys can really be in the mix given this well, format? You're- you're right. If the, the guy leading by two at the start of the week, who is Cantlay, if he plays well, he really renders a lot of other people, you know, meaningless. And I just think we have a hard time wrapping our arms around this idea of this tournament like this. It just, it just, there's no other place where it's done this way. 
And, um, you know, maybe if you just if you did a thing where all of the playoff events had staggered scoring, where, you, where, one, where one week led to the next, if you kept that same score, it would be easier. But it's just, I mean, I can't tell you how many people still ask me, wait, what? What are they doing? Right. But, you know, I even had it the first day. How is Cantlay 12 under par through 15 holes, you know? Well, he's actually only two under, but he started at 10, so you have to explain that. And, I mean, it's just it's just awkward. And, I, you know, I know we have talked about this so many times. It's come up so many times. There's been an easy solution to this for them. Play the tour championship and then have some sort of system where you pare it down to two, four, six, eight, whatever number you want for one day for the FedEx Cup. Have a shootout. I I mean, really, how is that any different than what we had on Sunday? We had like, now, of course, I would propose that you make them all even. I agree. But, you know, you kind of had four guys that had a chance on Sunday. So... After the, if you play the regular tour championship, then you pick somehow you decide who those, who those four guys are or, or six. And you know one way you could do it is you could say that the winner of the first two tournaments is in that. If the the winners of the first two playoff events are in, and then no matter where they finish, and then you take the top four after the points, you know, subtracting the winners. And, and I just think it would be incredibly compelling. You'd have a chance for a guy to win a tournament uh, who might not qualify if he was far back, you know. Um, I like it. You know, like, so, but why they don't come up with something like that is just beyond me. I don't understand it. There's plenty of ways they can reward the players for a long season. They seem to be so concerned about, well, God, you know, it's a, it's a season-long thing, and – you know, I wouldn't want to, like, go to all that trouble and then have it be a shootout. Well, look at what, look at Colin Morikawa. He started the playoffs at first, okay? Yep. He missed the cut at Northern Trust. He had a so-so BMW. His back's been bothering. He got out of sorts. And he didn't play well in Atlanta. He fell all the way to 26. So that's the same thing, isn't it? He was in line to win $15 million if he wins, $5 million if he's second, $4 million if he's third, and now he ended up getting like 500000 Okay? That's a huge drop-off. Sure is. So why, can't you, why can't you have a huge drop-off among everybody who gets there? Reward them for getting there first and then have some big number that they play for. And how um, fun just, was it, you know, on Sunday? There is that little period where the guys, particularly Kevin Na and Justin Thomas, you know, every putt was worth a million dollars, the way they were seesawing back and forth. I mean, that's yep. fun. What if you have that, you know, times two? Exactly. I mean, I yeah. think that would be fantastic. And, uh, you know, and what about you have, like you said, the four-day event, and how about the shootout on, on Monday? It's a holiday weekend. Why not go out with a you know a even bigger bang on Labor Day? Exactly. You know, there's there's there must be twenty different things you could come up with that, of ways they could do it. You know, you can play a fifty-four hole stroke play and still end it in four days. You know, you. A, a couple of guys get lopped off every day. I mean, whatever. There's there's ways to do it and make it really compelling. Instead, they go with this this thing that ends up being really sleepy. 
Yes. You know, the guys who are who don't play well the first day, who are especially far down the list, they've got nothing to play for, really. And, and of course, there's prize money, but it really is, the difference is very small at the bottom. You know, like, last place gets 395 believe me, we'd all... This is these are first world problems we're talking about, but I mean like the difference between you know finishing thirtieth and finishing twenty fifth is really not a huge a huge deal. I don't think these guys are grinding for that, right? Because it's so heavily you know? weighted at the top. Exactly, and so you know, and so in other words, if you if you're like twentieth and you shoot over par the first day. Now it's sort of like you've almost got nothing. You know you can't win a tournament. There's no tournament to win because you can't, even if you're shooting, if you're trying to shoot the lowest 72-hole score of the week, that gets, that gets you nothing. And you're too far back of the guy who started at 10 under. So I wish they would think it through, come up with something else. Well, hats off to Patty Ice. You know you've arrived, Bob, when you've got a nickname he he just he wanted he straight out wanted uh don't know how he kept that composure and focus for two solid weeks as he said it felt like two weeks you know of uh playing and sleeping on the lead in the end uh he he was the the big winner uh which you know leads to another conversation of course about player of the year a um, lot of conversation been going back and forth since uh the tour championship ended. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, I I just think that when you when you really pare it down, um, as, as great of a year as this was for Cantlay, you know, the tour championship, as we've just been talking about, is kind of a thaw win. I mean, it's a great achievement to win the FedEx Cup. But he didn't win that. He didn't win eight seventy-two hole tournament. He won the week before, and it set him up for that. Good for him. Great timing. He also won the Memorial. He won the Zozo. So you sort of the way I look at it is it's three wins, and he won the FedEx Cup. That's really important. Rom has a win in a major. He also was third in another major. He's what second in the FedEx Cup. You can make the argument that he was going to beat Cantlay at the Memorial, you know, where, where he had the COVID thing. He's got, like, the lowest stroke average he has the, of the year. He led, he led the tour in the n- numerous stats. I know it's all about the bottom line winning, but Cantlay did not really contend in any of the majors. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, the points thing that PGA of America does, Rob won it. So, you know, because they don't give credit for a, a win at the Tour Championship. Right. The thing I fear is the Tour puts a lot of pressure on the players to give credence to winning the FedEx Cup. And some guys are going to vote for him because he won the FedEx Cup. But, you know, look, Rom won the U.S. Open, and he had, like, this, the end of the year here, he's been in the top ten, like, every week. Yes. And um, he beat Cantley over... 72 holes in Atlanta, you know, and that and and he had beaten him. Look, even his 54 hole score was lower than Rob's 72 hole score at the Memorial in relation to par. You know, right. so if people really look inside the numbers, there you go. Yeah, I so 
I, I agree. Uh, I think I think my vote's going for uh, for Johnny Rom. So right. the other big news, Bob, the Ryder Cup picks. Steve Stricker announced his six captain picks this morning, and they are Daniel Berger, Harris English, Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, and Scotty Scheffler. Some of these we know were kind of slam dunks, seven, eight, nine in their position. Uh, Scotty Scheffler probably the one that raised maybe a few eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, I think Scheffler is the last guy in. <clears throat> and, you know, Berger, there were a lot of murmurings about Berger. Um, you know, he's, he's had a pretty solid year. I think he's the type of player that they're looking for, somebody who's feisty. Um, and, you know, when you talk about Kevin Na being that type of guy or Billy Horschel or even, or even Patrick Reed, well, you know, they sort of had that with Berger. They have that sort of guy with Berger. And so it comes down, if it comes down to Scheffler being the last guy, I think, you know, where the surprise comes in is that he's never played in a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup, and he's not won on the PGA Tour. You know, and it's rare to get a pick when you haven't won first. Ricky Fowler did in 2010, and that might be the only example of a captain's pick um, who has – you know, made, been picked despite not winning. And now Ricky had a pretty good Ryder Cup that year. You know, he had a huge clutch to have on the last day uh, after being, I think he was four down with five to play, and he ended up getting a half. And the U.S. lost 14 and a half to 13 and a half. You know, so that everything was, was key there. Um, but it's still, it's pretty rare, you know. And so that's where the Scheffler pick, you have to, you have to sort of dig down a little bit to see what he was thinking. And Stricker acknowledged that him beating Rom, Poulter, and Jason Day at the match play back in March really caught his eye. And, you know, he's a long hitter, well-suited to whistling straights, makes a lot of birdies, you know, um, knows a lot of these guys like Spieth and, and JT and, you know, gets along with some of these guys. That's important. So, and again... He doesn't have to play 72 holes of stroke play. Um, my guess is that Stricker and his assistants have a specific role in mind for for Shoffley. Uh, excuse me, for uh, Scheffler. And it's to pair him with, I don't know who, but someone. In other words, I, you know, we talked about this a few times. The U.S., I think, has gotten in this mode of picking who they think are the best guys based on how they've done over the last year and a half or two years, and they haven't thought through, well, who are they going to play with? And if you have picks, that's what you should use them for. I mean, you know, certainly Patrick Reed or Webb Simpson could have been picked. They've got Ryder Cup experience. They've had their moments. You know, Stricker must feel that, the, that, that he brings something else that can pair up with somebody. I certainly hope so. I'm going to be very interested to see how much he plays and who he's paired with. And, and again, sticking with a plan. I think the, Stricker has been around for a lot of this. He's, his first Ryder Cup team was 08. He played in 10 and 12. He was on that, you know, he lost that horrific one at Medina. Then he played in the President's Cup in 13. Starting in 14, 
I believe he has been an assistant. I, I can't remember if he was in Korea. But 14 on, he has been an assistant on every team. And then obviously he was the captain in 17 of the President's Cup. But 14, 16, and 18, he was a Ryder Cup assistant. I believe 15, he was an assistant for the President's Cup, captain in 17, assistant for Tiger in 19. That's a lot of watching going on. And I think he has come to learn the U.S. wings the pairings too much. Europe, Europe has pairings and they stick to them. You know, they don't panic. They have their they have their morning plan on Friday and then they have their afternoon plan, and they stick to it. And then they do it again on Saturday and they might change something up, but it, it's probably planned. You know, and they figure out a way to give guys rest. And, you know, they have certain teams that stick together. They've had really successful pairings like Stenson and Rose over the years. Um, last one was was uh, was uh, Molinari and Fleetwood. You know, um, they've, you know they, they, they stick to it. And I think the U.S. has that potential this time. And Stricker said uh, today that he, they're going to have a practice round or two this weekend. With all 12 guys. Right, at Whistling whistling Straits. Right. What a great opportunity to learn the course and figure out your foursomes. Because you've got to practice that format. You cannot, you know, you and I cannot go play foursomes and, and in competition, never having played with each other in that format before. You have to get a feel for, like, what the other person does and doesn't do and likes and doesn't like and... You know, it's not as important in best ball. You're playing your own ball. Right. You know, but so that's really important. If they can get that sorted out, you know, here Sunday, Monday, and then they get there and they they can, you know, they take a little bit of the pressure off. They can work on their game. They don't, they they can rest. They can play nine holes instead of 18 every day. You know, they can, they can, uh, you know, and, and, you know, maybe they can even be a little bit coy about who's going to play with who. You know, maybe they don't have to show their hand in public because they're going to get it all sorted out uh, here this weekend. There's, there's so much to that that's good. And look, it all, it all, we'll judge it by if they win or not. But if they do win, I think we're going to look back and say Stricker had a non, no nonsense approach, and he was determined to get his parents right. Yeah, he he mentioned a few things, uh, Bob, today. One was that he put a lot of emphasis on course fit, how the players fit with the golf course, which I thought was very interesting. He emphasized that a number of times. He also said, you know, that he had a game plan. There was a game plan for the pairings, you know, as you're alluding to. And then probably his most, uh, I thought, impactful uh, quote was, no curveballs. And, you know, that made me think back to the whole, you know, kerfuffle, if you will, between Patrick splitting up Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth, which didn't seem to be something that was well communicated back when it happened and led to a lot of distraction during the matches. No question. I mean, it goes back as far as Glenn Eagles when Tom Watson was the captain and Stricker was an assistant that week. You know, they... uh they, they they made some they made some last minute decisions, you know, and and that throws the players off. They want to know what's going on, 
You know, like that second day, they didn't know who was going to play in the afternoon. Uh, I remember, you know, Phil expected to play in the afternoon that day, and he, and he sat out, you know, and, and it was a surprise. And, you know, how does that happen? You know, that's what you talk about there with curveballs. As far as pairings, you know, look, he's got some that are pretty, pre-tested already. JT and Spieth played all four matches together in France and went 3-1. and one. Why would you split that up? You know, I mean, Spieth didn't make the President's Cup team in 19, and so, so JT played with Tiger. I'd put him right back with Spieth with JT and let them go. And they should play all four matches. Then you've got um, Shoffley and Cantley played all four matches in, in Melbourne. They went 2-2, two and two, but they were 2-0 and oh in, in forces. You know, so, I mean. That's huge. Look, why would you mess with that? You know, and, and maybe Cantley can't go, go all of them, maybe because of his back. So maybe, maybe you throw Morikawa into that mix one of the days. And Morikawa, you would think, would play a lot, too. And he would, you would think, given his iron game, he's going to be a great, um, uh, you know, foursomes player. But he's also going to play best ball. You know, I mean, so, I mean, you've got, like, and then throw in Dustin Johnson, who knows whistling straights. Despite what happened in 2010, he's contended there. He's had high finishes there both times. It's a good golf course for him. I would think Finau will be a force there with his long ball. You've got a lot of possibilities already. So now it's just a matter of mixing and matching them. Like, I'm guessing that, you know, uh, a guy like Scheffler and maybe Harris English, um, they're not going to play a lot. They're only going to play twice before Sunday. You know, it might be the same for Berger. You know, so, so uh, you know, that's where these picks should really be about where do they fit. Well, you know, he, and that's, he played for a captain, Paul Azinger, in 2008 who won, and he won using the famous pod system that he created where he put, you know, various personalities together that meshed well and, um, you know, had a lot of... Uh, consulting from the outside on how to go about that, something I think if I remember they used in the Navy SEALs, right? And, oh, by the way, anybody who's worried about the fact that we have six rookies on the team, six rookies on that 2008 winning team. And I thought this was another interesting statistic that Stricker shared. Rookies have gone 40, 29, and 7 in Ryder Cup matches, Bob. So, yeah. you know, I think uh, the new blood is good. It's, you know, I think it shows that experience is a bit overrated. And look, in terms of U.S., the experience has been losing experience. You know, I mean, and look, I get it why they would have wanted to go and use Tiger and Phil and Furyk and Davis Love and, and you know, whoever they all are uh, back in the day. You know, because they were our top players. Uh, Reed has a winning Ryder Cup record, but he's like 0-7 in his last team, in his last, uh, when he doesn't play with Spieth in team right. matches. You know, he was 0-2 in, uh, in France and 0-3 in, uh, in, in, in Melbourne. You know, so like as, as, as gritty of a, of a Ryder Cup player as we say he is, he, did, he wasn't exactly getting it done the last two times. 
and was you know, always and Web, a difficult person to pair up. Yeah, and Webb's and Webb's record, you know, Webb Webb could play with anybody, but Webb's record has been sort of, you know, it's just average. You know, so why not try somebody new? And again, somebody new who who has no scars and again, I don't think he's going to be asked to carry the team. Well, they talk about that all these guys clearly have won. They've won at a high level. But as we know, the Ryder Cup is a totally different experience. And for those new guys, when they step on that first team box, Bob, we know we've been there. Some of these guys, you know, they barely can hang on to that driver when they tee it up for the first time. Exactly. It is nerve-wracking, but it doesn't matter. You know, even the veteran guys are nervous. Right. So, you know, like, I've, I've, I've changed my mind on this a little bit um, because I, I've always felt that experience mattered. You know, it's, it's – it's, and look, it, it could. It could matter. But look, you know, as great as Tiger was, he was only four in France. His experience did him no good there because he, he just didn't have it. If you don't have it, that then what's the point, right? You know, I mean, I think that that's part of it. And having some of these young, hungry guys, especially guys who can play a lot if needed, I think that's important too. Europe's going to be a lot older. You know, they're going to have they're going to have Westwood. They're probably going to have Poulter. They're going to have Garcia. That's four guys in their forties. Um, you know, if uh, if they pick Justin Rose, that's another one. So four guys. I said I said four. It was three. That would be four. With, with that, with with Rose, I mean, you know, um, maybe there's something to be said for sort of changing this over. Well, and uh, and and uh, I think Stricker was very smart to put that experience on his left and right side as assistant captains. No two better. Speaking of that experience in the team room, Phil Mickelson and Freddie Couples. So, uh, you know, he's got a, a pretty good support team who who can uh, be big leaders in, inside uh, the team room when it, when it really counts. No question. They've got plenty of, plenty of experienced voices. You know, Davis is part of it, too. And uh, uh, so is Zach Johnson, who, you know, I think Zach's going to be a future captain somewhere along the line. So, um, you know, we'll see how it works out. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very curious to see how they perform, and how, and how they mesh. Well, we've got two weeks uh, to uh, the Ryder Cup, and it can't come any time sooner for Captain Steve Stricker, who's had to wait that extra year, Bob, uh, to uh, make, a, make this big uh, debut. And um, as only Steve Stricker would, the last question asked by a local reporter uh, from Wisconsin brought him to tears in terms of what this means to him you know, to be the captain in his home state of Wisconsin. Pretty special, and uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic Ryder Cup. Yep, me too. I think it's it's great that uh, he gets to do it there, and it's been a long road. I think, you know, obviously with the whole COVID thing, that's made it a lot harder on everybody. You know, it's it's gone longer than he expected. This is a time-consuming deal. I think he's done a great job at this point, as, and and. The way you might not like the the Scheffler pick, but I think the way he explained it and the way he backed it up is really important. You know, he has a plan, and 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 that's and that's so much better than 
then, okay, you know, like, you sit there and you wonder why they took a guy. He explained why he did. I th- and I think, you know, we can argue whether or not that's good or not, but at least he had a plan. Absolutely. And uh, it's going to be exciting to watch. And as we know, uh, golf has a way of having some very dramatic and uh, special finishes. And for uh, Steve Stricker to bring the Ryder Cup back to America would be one of those special stories, Bob. Thank you, as always, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. We will speak to you very soon. Sounds good. Thank you.